Welcome to the South Carolina State Library's podcast, Library Voices SC. I'm Curtis Rogers, Communications Director, and today I'm pleased to have with us in our virtual podcast studio, two State Library staff members, Sarah Pettis, who is our Cataloging and Metadata Librarian, and Carrie J. Shun, who is our Digital Projects Coordinator. And they are here today to share some interesting items from our collection. So welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah, thanks. And I know we've been on a very long hiatus from talking about uh, great items from our collection due to that pesky pandemic that's been going on. <laughs> um, yeah, which, you know, has been really interesting to try to make us figure out how to do our jobs all differently. But uh, we're here to talk about some great things in our library collection. And we're going to go ahead and start with Sarah. And we're talking a lot about food. So these are going to be cookbooks and cooking and all kinds of great stuff, especially since this week is uh, Thanksgiving in the United States. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Sarah. She's got three books to talk about. Princess Pamela's Soul Food Cookbook by Pamela Strobel and South Carolina First Lady Cookbook, and this is a series from 1986, and then Greek Revival by Patricia Moore Pastidi. So turn it over to Sarah. Yeah, so um, yeah, like you said, the first book I'm gonna talk about is Princess Pamela's Soul Food Cookbook. And the backstory is really fascinating. There are obviously some fantastic recipes in here because soul food is great, but some information about Princess Pamela she grew up in Spartanburg and unfortunately when she was a teenager her mom and her grandmother had passed away but they both taught her a lot about cooking um, and she made her way to New York and then in 1965 she opened her first restaurant called The Little Kitchen that I think that's the one that went on for about 24 years um, and then her second restaurant was called Princess's Southern Touch and that I don't have the date of when that opened, but that closed in 1998. So that also had a pretty long run. And Matt Lee and Ted Lee, who are from Charleston, they've published some cookbooks and things. They found a first edition of her cookbook in the late 60s, um, the 1969 edition. And then they wanted to uh, republish it in 2017, which is the copies that we have. And it's a mixture of recipes and poetry. There's kind of some one line, two line poetry that go along with each recipe. And uh, one of the other things I thought was interesting about her restaurants is that she would have like a live jazz, she'd have live jazz music and she would sing with them. Um, it was well known for hospitality. She would make everyone feel at home. Um, I think both restaurants were pretty small. And so it really felt like a little family gathering. And in the intro uh, paragraphs, uh, there's a list of famous people that would stop by and raved about her cooking and everything. And there's a great quote that I found, let me find it again, by Sharon Watkins, who would later become the Enron whistleblower, became a regular in the late 1980s. He wrote, Princess Pamela wanted only guests that acted like they were in her home, no customers. I guess she was after her perfect audience because at some point she'd lock the door and tell anyone knocking that the place is closed. Then we'd get that fabulous performance. Although I moved to New York at 28 years old from Texas, there was something about Princess Pamela's restaurant that my insider status and my insider status 
there that made me feel like a true New Yorker, which I thought was really cool. And so uh, there's all kinds of stuff in the, in the recipe book of like various biscuits and pie, cornmeal, fried, all the fried things, grits, sweet potatoes, like anything, soul food, a Southern, it's in there. One thing I thought that was interesting was roast possum with sweet potatoes. Found on page 71 if you want to attempt that. Um, and the instructions are there to make that. So I thought that was interesting. Um, and a lot of the classics, pecan pie, that kind of thing. So uh, they don't know what happened to her after 1998. These two guys actually like hired a private investigator and a genealogist to try to track her down. No one really knows where she went after that. So I was like, Ooh, wow. <laughs> um, wait, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. So in the epilogue, it's like, if you know anything, like email us. <laughs> and I was like, that's fascinating. Oh, um, that's really strange. And, and how did she become, was she, did, was she a self-proclaimed princess or? <laughs> I assume so. Yes. <laughs> Southern, her version of the Southern Belle, I guess. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, so I thought that was interesting, kind of the backstory and I think that's everything I had. Yeah, a lot of interesting um, recipes in that book. So this Princess Pamela's Soul Food Cookbook. We have a few copies of that. That is Next. interesting. I think I will pass on the possum. So yeah, I think yeah. so as well. <laughs> Only because not I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> it's not really one of my Thanksgiving traditions. The second book I wanted to look at was the South Carolina First Lady Cookbook. We have several of these throughout the 70s and 80s and one in the 90s. Um, and from what I can understand from reading kind of the, the beginning of each of these, the governor's wife at the time would have other women send recipes in and she would put this cookbook together. And the, you could, um, there's a donation form in the back that you could mail in, I guess, or order form or something to um, the American Cancer Society. So it would raise money for that. And I thought that was really nice. I don't know if it still happens. I don't think so to my knowledge, but if anyone else out there knows, let me know. I'm curious. Well, since we've had a female governor in South Carolina, they would have had to have added a first gentleman recipe or something. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be cool. So a few, and these are also like a lot of classic Southern recipes. Now, since this was in the 80s, this particular one, and a lot of the other ones are older, there's a lot of um, jello mold. Oh, no. If you want to venture into that world. Classic. Those are classic. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Um, but some of the things that I potentially would want to try, um, there's a recipe for bourbon slush. Sounds delish. With lemonade and orange juice, sugar, water, bourbon, and strong tea. And then one that I found comical, something called a tuna wiggle. You have tuna, green peas, milk, flour, and butter, um, and you serve it on saltines. So I think it's some sort of dip, but it's called a tuna wiggle, oh. which is interesting. I was assuming um, that was going to be in one of those molds and it would wiggle. <laughs> maybe. Um, another recipe in here, their title is ham biscuits, but I was like, I think I've always called them ham delights, which has ham and Swiss cheese and like mustard mixed with other stuff with Worcestershire sauce and stuff um, and poppy seed. 
and I always found that I think that's a southern thing maybe it is it's a very southern living thing I think that was very popular in the like late 70s early 80s yeah my mom still makes them and they're so good and I don't like mustard but that's the only thing I like that has mustard on it (laughs) and then the last thing that I thought was interesting in this was the coca-cola cake and I think like in this era, they were like obsessed with Coca-Cola or something because there's a lot of recipes that use it that I would never put in there. Um, but like in the cake mix, they use Coca-Cola and the frosting, which I thought was fascinating. So if you really love Coca-Cola, there's a cake out there for you. <laughs> Don't knock it till you try it because I, I bet it's made delish. a Coca-Cola cake. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. A couple of years ago, I came across a recipe and I was very confused, but I <laughs> let's give it a shot. And it was really good. Was well, hopefully good. if you use some kind of soda like that, you don't have to add any extra sugar. <laughs> I don't think so. If it tastes anything like an, a, Coca, a Coke Icy, I'm here for it. <laughs> Love those. Um, and so the last uh, book that I have called Greek Revival, so a little bit different direction by Patricia Moore Pistides, who's the wife of our previous USC president, University of South Carolina. And I didn't know that Mr. Pistides was a, came from a Greek family, and so she married into this Greek family and learned how to cook a lot of Greek food. Um, and they spent some time in Greece, and while she was there, she took Greek cooking classes. And uh, she talks a lot about the health benefits of a Mediterranean diet or Mediterranean eating more of that types of food and so it's a really beautiful book there's a lot of all the photography is great and I was just fascinated my dad went to Greece when I was a teenager and he came back and we ate Greek food for years so um, (laughs) I'm a fan and so there's like you know a lot of the classic things like just the classic Greek salad which is always good and a couple more recipes there's a one I thought was interesting was braised cauliflower with slowly sauteed onions, which I thought looked pretty delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, and one more, uh, salmon or grilled salmon in grape leaves. I've never really used grape leaves before, but I thought that would be very interesting. And then, uh, you know, a lot of lamb and chicken recipes um and then a pistachio honey coffee cake that i thought sounded good Mm. so all of interesting um just different dishes in there if you want to venture into some mediterranean foods and maybe branch out so those are the um cookbooks that i looked at and thought were interesting um so yeah that's what i have very cool in fact i've actually got both of patricia moore pastides Greek cookbooks at home, and we have had her in the past talk at the State Library about her cookbooks and um, the Mediterranean diet, which, you know, is great every once in a while when I go and pick up a Greek salad, I think about it. Yeah. I love Greek food. Mm -hmm. It is. It's wonderful. Now we're all going to be very hungry by the time we get to the end of this podcast episode. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you, Sarah. So Carrie, uh, she has a few items from our collection that she's going to discuss, and she's got The Food, Folklore, and Art of Low Country Cooking by Joseph Dabney, and then Sally Ann Robinson's Kitchen, Food and Family Lore from the Low Country. So Carrie is concentrating on the Low Country area of South Carolina. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to you. 
So the Low Country has always been a mystery to me. For those who don't know, I am from the North. <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. You can be, you know, bi-geographical. That's what I consider myself. I grew up in Connecticut, but I've lived in South Carolina for a lot longer. So I have only lived here for a few years. So Southern food is so new to me. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to focus on low country cooking because it's just, oh, it's just my favorite since moving here. And um so the, the Food, Folklore, and Art of Low Country Cooking by Joseph Dabney is like the mother load of, of information and recipes. There's 353 pages of stories, information, and recipes that like, it'll keep you up past your bedtime trying to read this book. The stories that are featured are interviews with chefs and restaurant owners and even just regular locals down in the Low Country there was one where this woman was just a lawyer, but she made really good like potato salad. And so they interviewed her about her potato salad. It's just, it's just so much information. But they really talk about the food and why it matters to them. Uh, so I, I flipping through it, recipes that I'd like to try was Lewis's pimento cheese on page 110. I have only ever eaten pimento cheese. I've never made it before. Uh, so that would be a journey for me. Well, if you do make it, be sure and follow whatever specific technique they mention because pimento cheese is great and, you know, you have to do things like grate your own cheese. You don't want to use pre-grated cheese. That's one tip. And you have to blend it with the mayonnaise properly. So there's a huge technique to it. Yeah, and I want to try making the seafood dishes that are featured because I grew up at the Jersey Shore. And so seafood was like so fresh and good all the time, but with the low country, there's just like a totally next level of good seafood. But there's a recipe, this it's not seafood, but there's a, there's a recipe for hush puppies called Palmetto style hush puppies. And uh, gosh, I just, I want to eat everything in this book. <laughs> <laughs> like I, don't, <laughs> I don't know how to get it across that I just, I'm obsessed with this book. There's recipes for things like rice wine, all these, all types of cocktail sauces. So it's like not just like, oh, here's salmon, here's, you know, shrimp and grits. It's like, here's all the sauces you can make. Here's all the ingredients you can make to use as ingredients to make different things. And like this, this book is just, I want to, I want to get my own copy, honestly. <laughs> And the other book that I have to share is Sally Ann Robinson's Kitchen, Food and Family Lore from the Low Country. And I was so fascinated by Sally Ann Robinson. I've never heard of her before, but she's been featured on the Food Network. She's been on Bizarre Foods with Andrew Zimmerman. From her website, it says that she uses her platform to promote and preserve the legacy of the Gullah culture. So she grew up in Defusky Island, South Carolina. Yeah. And uh, her website is called The Gullah Diva. <laughs> and we will link that. But um, she's also been featured in National Geographic and Southern Living and Bon Appetit and all other different types of magazines. Uh, and she's also, I thought this was crazy. She's also featured in Pat Conroy's memoir called The Water is Wide. And she's it's like a 
realistic fiction memoir because he changes names. She's known as Ethel in the story, but she was his student when he went and was a teacher on Defusky Island. <laughs> when she was like a kid, when she was like 10 years old, 10 or 11, Pat Conroy was her teacher. That's very cool. cool. <laughs> it was crazy. So um, the book talks about the importance of cooking in Gullah culture and how it relates to her upbringing. Honestly, just reading the preface and the intro was so interesting. And that's even before you get to the recipes. You're just like, wow, this is, this is great. <laughs> Uh, but it has traditional recipes and recipes that she's tweaked with a new spin, like adding pineapple. Because uh, I remember reading somewhere that pineapple is really good as a marinade for a meat tenderizer. It's a little tip for people. Because um, the acidity gets into the, the meat, but you don't want to keep it too long because then it, it toughens it up. It'll soften it and then toughen it again. But I really enjoyed reading her personal stories and... Uh, you know, her story with Pat Conroy and in between recipes, she gives food context and personalization. She also talks about her life on Defusky Island and like some bigotry that she experienced growing up because uh, a lot of people have misconceptions about Gullah culture. Just she really gives a lot of context and personal experience. Uh, the pictures are amazing in this book. It's just, even the cover is just so beautiful. And it makes okay. you want to. It makes you want to eat everything. <laughs> um, so don't read it while you're hungry, unless you're about to cook. <laughs> but uh, the recipes that I'd recommend, because I want to make them, is the fusky shrimp and blue crab burger, mm. and then it's called simply fried okra. Because I have never had okra, I uh. don't really know what okra you is. You still have not had okra? <laughs> no, it's been years since I moved here and I still, I don't even know what it looks, well, the picture showed me what it looks like, but <laughs> I just, <laughs> I don't know what okra is. I it's didn't know vegetable. what it was. <laughs> it's a delicious green vegetable that is better fried. Oh. Yeah, and, and it's actually fascinating, the story of okra, because it was brought over from uh, West Africa during the slave trade. And so it's one of those vegetables that was not, and the only reason why I'm saying this is because I just saw something about it on TV last night. <laughs> but it's not that I actually just knew this. Um, and they brought it over, they brought seeds, the slaves brought seeds over on the ships they were on. And when they they came to the low country of South Carolina, they planted the okra seeds so that, cause that was a staple in their diet. And so mm -hmm. that's how it eventually became a staple in Southern cuisine. Oh, wow. That's so interesting. Yeah, so I would highly recommend this book because you learn amazing facts like that. And it gives you a lot of context of the types of recipes that they cook and eat. Um, I was really obsessed with their blueberry pound cake recipe, Miss mm. Robinson's pound cake recipe. Um, my family doesn't like to cook, but we like to bake. Like that's just, if it goes in the oven, like that's it. <laughs> my mom, she texted me last night and said she's making 15 loaves of bread today. Wow. Because she's like prepping for <laughs> just like... Thanksgiving, but also just for winter, she's making 15 loaves of bread, all different types, pumpkin bread and raisin bread and cranberry bread and like regular loaves of bread. It's crazy. That's, a, that's our house. So <laughs> I was like, I need this pound cake recipe. Sounds so. wonderful. Very cool. Those, those are great titles. I um, was in, in kind of our wrapping up, I was starting to think about um, 
a question I had for both of you. In preparation for Thanksgiving, is there anything specific that you look forward to the most or that you plan on making? And I'll start out with saying that I am going to be making crock pot macaroni and cheese. So we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, that macaroni and cheese is definitely one that I love. And at a previous workplace, I said that was one of my favorite side dishes. And the few other people that were in there with me looked at me like I was crazy. And I was like, why is there something wrong with that? And they weren't from the South. And so I was like, is that more of a Southern like staple at Thanksgiving? It might be, and it might be elsewhere as well. But like, they all looked at me like I was crazy. I was like, mac and cheese, <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, my aunt will specifically make the sweet potato casserole half covered with marshmallows and half covered with pecans because mm. the family is divided. <laughs> <laughs> That's adult. great. So we have to pick our side. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely I, a pecan side person myself. So am I. <laughs> so yeah, I, I usually travel for Thanksgiving, so I don't really have the space to do any of the cooking. So I don't normally um, contribute to that. I just make the jokes. <laughs> there you go. Carrie, what about you? Well, um, Thanksgiving is our favorite holiday in my parents' house because, you know, we're not really into the lore of Thanksgiving um, just because I'm like second generation American, so it never really clicked. But uh, we love a good feast. So like a good autumn feast. We, oh my gosh, if it go, I'm telling you, if it goes in the oven, my mom is amazing <laughs> at it. She makes this perfect roast turkey and she makes this amazing stuffing. She has a secret ingredient. It's like, I, I can never find it in stores. I don't know where she gets it, but it's this little yellow box with a little turkey on it. And it's like a, it's like a seasoning, but she doesn't put it on the turkey. She puts it in the stuffing mm. and it's like a special herb mix and it's so good but you ca I can't find it anywhere I don't even know what it's called but she gave me like a whole bunch of boxes last year and she's like here you go keep it for life uh, so stuffing the stuffing is like it's my absolute favorite my mom's recipes out of this world you know just like all the onions and the butter and like the chicken broth and oh my god and the seasoning it's just oh so now now that not only we but everyone listening to this if it's before a meal uh, you, you're really really hungry right now so yeah. <laughs> sorry. so sorry for that but hope you uh hope you have something good for thanksgiving uh whatever your family does or whatever you're uh in charge of taking to a um a gathering hopefully maybe some of these resources can play a part in that and just to recap and we will have a link to all of these in our online catalog collection on the podcast webpage but we have princess pamela's soul food cookbook by pamela strobel south carolina first lady cookbook the series and greek revival by patricia moore pastides and the food folklore and art of low country cooking by joseph dabney and Sally Ann Robinson's Kitchen Food and Family Lore from the Low Country, and that's by Sally Ann Robinson. And we'll also get a link to the Gullah Diva, uh, since that's something we discussed. So thank you both so much for being with us today and for recommending these great resources. Yeah, th thanks for having us. And thank you to our listeners. You can find Library Voices SC on Podbean, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio, or add us on your favorite podcast app. 
Our podcast website address is libraryvoices.podbean.com. We love hearing from our listeners, so please send us your comments and suggestions for future topics. Library Voices SC is the official podcast of the South Carolina State Library. So until next time, this is Curtis Rogers. Thanks for listening.